Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hold My Flashlight, where I tell your tales of true crime, paranormal, and the unexplainable. Our first story was given to me by Reddit user DanaSarah33, where they have some run-in with the local folklore, titled, Why You Should Always Ask For Permission Before Setting Up a Camp on the Tundra. So this story is from 2008. There was a guy, let's call him Ollie. It was late August and he was doing nothing in the summer, so he decides that he should take a camping trip over the tundra. He packs with him a tent and gets his brother to drive him to the place that he is going to start at. He reaches the spot and starts walking. He has to walk through a forest before reaching the tundra, and when he reaches it, he decides to take a lunch break. Then he sees an ATV coming towards him. It's an old man, one of the local reindeer herders that are there. They start talking, with the old man telling Ollie a good route to walk and where the best fishing lakes are. Before driving off, he says one last thing to Ollie. Remember to not set up camp on what looks like an old trail, and remember to ask for permission before you set up the camp. He then drives off. Ollie continues walking, and he just laughs at the old man. Ask permission? What nonsense. He then arrives at a lake and decides to stay there for the night. He sets up his tent and goes inside. Since it's late August, the midnight sun doesn't shine anymore, but the moon is so bright that he can even see his shadow. He goes inside his tent and reads a book before going to sleep. Then after 20 minutes... He hears footsteps and some grunting coming towards him. He grabs his flashlight and goes to check outside. He then sees a small group of reindeer running away. He laughs at himself. That old man really messed with my head. Now I got spooked by some reindeer. He goes back inside and lays down again, but he doesn't fall asleep. He hasn't eerie feeling. Then out of nowhere he hears something. It's a person talking. The sound is faint, but he hears that it's someone there. He goes back outside, but he sees no one. He thinks to himself that he's probably just going crazy since he's quite tired. So once again he goes back inside and this time he does fall asleep. He then wakes up to a cold wind blowing against him, and the door to his tent is open, though he's pretty sure he closed it. Then he looks to his left, and his eyes turn wide open. There is a human shadow outside of his tent. He grabs his flashlight and goes out, But once again, he sees no one. He just sees a fox running away. He goes back inside, but does not fall asleep. 
hours pass by, and finally he does. Then suddenly, cold air is coming in again. He wakes up and sees something that makes coldness go through his body. Two white hands are in front of him, reaching for his legs. He screams, and just as he does, the hands grab him, and he is dragged outside. He screams and flails around, but the hands just keep dragging. Then finally, they let go. He's been dragged about 18 meters from his tent, and he runs back and grabs his flashlight. He tries to look around, but there's nothing there to see. Then all of a sudden, the flashlight turns off. He looks towards a hilltop, and there he sees something. It's a human silhouette and a reindeer. He blinks, and they are gone, and the flashlight turns back on. He goes back to his tent, and this time he definitely doesn't fall asleep. Morning comes, and he finally falls asleep in the daytime. He wakes up to the sound of an ATV coming towards him. It's the old man again. He goes outside, and the first thing the old man says to Ollie is, Looks like someone hasn't slept this night. Didn't you do as I said? He then laughs it off. He helps Ollie pack up his camp and tells him to pick up some shrubs so they can make a fire. Ollie picks up some shrubs and the old man makes a fire. And he gives Ollie some reindeer meat that he can grill on the fire. While they are eating, the old man stands up and looks towards the hilltop. He then starts talking in the Sami language, something that Ollie doesn't understand. He then sits down again and tells Ollie a story. This lakeside is the old migration route of Bato's Ailu, Ailu of the mountains. He used to camp here when he was alive, while his herd grazed on that hilltop. I know he disturbed you this night, and I can see he dragged you. I asked him for forgiveness, and said that you didn't know that he used to live here. Baftos Ailu said to me that this was just a warning, so that you learned something. Ollie turns white. He hasn't told anything to the old man about his night. They pack up and the old man gives Ollie a ride over some rivers on his ATV. Ollie continues his trip over the tundra and remembers to ask for permission on each place he sets up camp. And he sleeps undisturbed each night now. Then one day on Ollie's trip, he meets a man about 30 years old and his name is Nihilus. They stop and talk. And Ollie asks Nihilus if he knows the old man. Nihilus tells him that the old man is called Rusavaki Mahate, Mahate of the Cross Valley. Ollie also tells Nihilus about the night he experienced. Nihilus just laughs at him and says, 
You did the same mistake as I did when I was younger. I also set up camp and didn't ask for permission. You could bet that I did not sleep for the whole night. That Mahati, he is not a normal person. He is said to speak with the dead and he sees things that other people can't see. He knows everything of these mountains and this tundra. And all of its story. He has also been said to heal people. There was once a child that had accidentally cut himself with a knife, and luckily Mahate was there. He stopped the blood and held the wound with his hands. The child also stopped crying, and when the ambulance arrived, the child said that it did not hurt anymore. The cut was also quite deep, as you could almost see the bone. And the child recovered really fast, too. Ollie continued his trip until he finally arrived to the town he was walking to. There he took a bus back to his hometown and was quite tired from his trip. So this is just a reminder. If you are going on a camping trip, remember to ask for permission. You never know. The dead might still use that place as they walk the endless journey across the wilderness. Our next story is from someone who would like to remain anonymous, titled, I Think My Mom Has a Doppelganger. For a long time in my family, we have seen my mom in places where she physically could not be. One day, I was with my sister watching TV, and my mom was at work. Then the front door opened, and my mom appeared showing only the top half of her body. Bending over so that her waist and legs were out, she seemed distracted, turned her head in all directions, then asked for my other sister, as there were three of us. We told her she was in her room. My mom said, Okay, thanks, and went back out. It was super weird. But then a few hours later, when my mom got off work, she came home and we asked her about what happened earlier. She said she was at work all day. I want to clarify that my mom is a very serious woman, and she doesn't just make jokes, and she doesn't lie about her day. So this was super creepy. Other days, we hear her calling us. And then when we go to her room or the kitchen, we find out she's not even in the house. The creepiest thing happened before I was born. My mother was at home at about 9pm watching TV, and her sister was washing dishes at the kitchen sink in front of the window. Then, my mother heard her sister calling. Sarah, it's late. Come in the house. Then, my mom replied that she was already in the house, but her sister didn't hear her. She kept calling my mom because she was watching her through the window, playing outside in the garden. Then, my mom shouted that she was already in the house. Her sister turned her head towards her, 
And then she turned her head towards the window, and right in front of the window was a copy of my mother. As a child, obviously. Only she looked pale and haggard and very thin. My mother and her sister swear that this was real, and that the girl even smiled at them from outside the window. They both ran to their room and couldn't sleep all night. Coupled with the events that we ourselves have experienced in my home, I have nothing left to do but believe her. I have even seen my mom at night walking through our rooms and leave without saying anything, and she is not a sleepwalker. My mother was born in a very small town in Mexico, and there the testimonies of apparitions and supernatural things are there all day long, and since her childhood she has always experienced supernatural things and they are not at all pleasant. Our next story was given to me by Reddit user KaiGaming099, titled, A Weird, White, Unidentified Animal. This occurred in the middle of September in 2014, when I was 10 years old, at the beginning of 5th grade. When I was a kid, I would go to my neighbor's house to jump on their trampoline in the backyard. I jumped on it so much that I didn't have to ask anymore, because I was there four times a week, every week, for two years. One Saturday night, my friend and I we'll call him Jay, decide to go jump on the trampoline at about 5.30 p.m. We crossed the street, walking across the road and went down their hilly backyard, and then got on the trampoline. Jay and I were jumping and doing tricks for a little bit, just having fun, but felt uneasy and uncomfortable the whole time, as something just felt off. At about 5.45-ish, 6 p.m., the sun was just starting to set. It looked actually very pretty, but we were in the shadow of the house. Jay was having fun, but then mid-jump froze, and his face white as a ghost. He slowly and shakily pointed his finger towards the dense trees and said, in a very scared voice. OP, what the hell is that? I'm already crapping myself, but slowly turn around. In the distance, about 150 yards away, in the shadow of the trees was this probably around 9 foot tall, super skinny, bony thing that was white with a gray tinge to it. Its head was this massive oval shape like a football. It had foot-long claws and huge fangs in its mouth and bright white piercing eyes. It was half hidden behind a tree with its hand around it just staring at us. 
like it was angry. Jay and I stared at it, horrified and in disbelief for probably ten seconds. But it felt like ten minutes. It was like we were in a trance and couldn't move, either out of fear or because of it. This thing looked like it was going to run at us. I could just feel it. I told Jay that we had to leave now, or we would die. With all of my strength, I forced my little ten-year-old body to move and Jay was ahead of me. We jumped off the trampoline and started running, but Jay tripped and I wasn't going to stop. As I was sprinting up the hill, I looked over my shoulder to see if Jay got up and I swear this thing was coming towards us. So I ran even faster than I have ever run before in my life all the way back to my house. Jay entering right after me, scared to death. We never went back there, even though I lived there for another two years. And we never talked about it again. I did tell my parents, however, about it that night. And they didn't believe me, which is understandable. Because... Who's going to believe their ten-year-old about something like that? I haven't told anyone this story except my girlfriend, because I literally blocked it out of my head, even with all the haunting stuff happened, until I was reading Reddit, and remembered it a day or two ago. Ever since that day when I'm alone in the dark, not at home, I get this overwhelming feeling of being watched. Our final story was given to me by Reddit user, Mr. Person 30 titled, A Bit of a Long Story, But Here's My Experience. This is a true story that happened to me years ago, but I still remember it vividly. I knew something was off. Whenever I was in a room alone, especially with my back to the entrance, it felt as if I wasn't alone, and whatever it was didn't seem to be looking for a friend, more of a victim. I never felt this when I was anywhere but home, but it was still horrifying for any seven-year-old. In my bedroom one day, I was with my sister, and we were sitting on my bed playing Connect Four. I had just one when we heard a knock on my door. A solid knock from the knuckles. So I stood up and opened the door. But I didn't see my parents. We had cats, but they can't knock. And I know what them scratching at the door sounded like. We walked over to my parents' bedroom. Their door was closed. So we knocked and explained what happened. They were confused and explained how they were in there the whole time and did not knock on my door. We all brushed it off as a one-time odd occurrence, not thinking much of it. Looking back now, that's where we went wrong. A couple months later, I was in the basement with my sister, who was in the area off to the side, out of the way, and I was in the main area. 
The staircase was in the center, surrounded by drywall, and the other side of that was the workshop. So I was riding my scooter around the staircase and through the workshop and into the main area. One of these laps, I just saw three heads floating in the workshop in a line. I don't remember their faces, but they were all that of a man's head. They weren't moving up or down, just facing forward all the same direction toward the staircase. I stopped as I was confused and in shock, and I didn't see how they could be there. And then they weren't there on my next lap around. I found my parents and explained this to them. And they were confused as I was. We didn't know what to do. I was only seven or eight years old, and I'm not exactly what you would call a reliable source. And we didn't do anything because we couldn't. Fast forward another few months, and I'm in the shower rinsing my hair. We had a mirror on the wall of the shower, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I looked up and at the mirror directly. I saw a black figure emerging from the wall, just the shape of a torso and an arm extended at my left shoulder about to make contact with me. Then it vanished. And then I heard a loud drop of water like a Water bottles worth of water had fallen into a bucket or something. But the only place there could be a bucket that I'd hear that and not see is the closet behind the bathroom and in front of my bedroom door. But the closet is full and no room for a bucket. I step out of the shower terrified without even bothering to dry off. I step out of the bathroom and tell my parents, who are sitting in the room next to the bathroom, what had happened. I was shaking and cold and could barely get a word out. My dad sat in the bathroom as I finished my shower. That was the last shower I'd ever taken in that bathroom. At this point, my mom admitted she felt like she was being watched, too, whenever she was working in the basement. Fast forward to a couple years back, and my parents have a friend over who knew about this, and she supposedly knows about paranormal stuff, and she said she felt a presence, and not a good one. We also found a Ouija board from my mom's parents. None of us ever touched it. We gave it to that same friend who knew what to do with it. Another year or so passes, and... We were talking with a family friend who my dad met from work. That friend had quit being an RN and became a priest. So we had him bless our house and especially where everything had happened. None of us had an experience like this since. I do occasionally feel like I'm being watched, but it's a much weaker feeling now. That's all I have for y'all this evening. If you have a story of your own that you would like to share, you may do so by emailing it to me at holdmyflashlight at gmail.com 
or by posting in the subreddit r slash hold my flashlight. You may also follow me on Twitter at HMF Stories and on YouTube. And if anyone is particularly interested in helping this podcast grow, you may join the Hold My Flashlight Patreon. Okay, everyone. Good night.